Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and our shortcomings and those things, Lord, to place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I get to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I'm asking that we have many more times like these. Lord, at times when we can have this sort of peace, Lord, I know it's because of your grace. I know it's because of your love. I know it's because of the prayers of the righteous, Lord, that you have given us time, Lord, to do your will. And I'm asking, Lord, that you hold back whatever judgment, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, before you stand up and, and proclaim what you need to, Lord, that we have more time to, to, to get more into the kingdom. I'm asking right now, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, Lord, any antichrist spirit, any Jezebel spirit, any spirit that has nothing to do with you, Lord, I'm asking that it be bound today and cast out. I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Ghost will fall on us, Lord. I'm asking that we won't utter words that don't come from you. I'm asking that your power, Lord, will be present because you are almighty God and you reign supreme. You are God and God alone. You are the righteous King of kings and Lord of lords, faithful, just, and true, worthy to be praised. Lord, do these things for your glory. Do them for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, before we get going, because tonight's study is going to be about demons, where they come from, who they are, um, you know, how do we deal with them, obviously. But um, before we get going, um, we're going to have something by Jake and Christina that they're going to present. So I'm going to give them the floor, you know, for a few minutes, and then we'll get right into the study. I don't know what you guys have, so. Oh. <laughs> All righty, I'll go. Everybody's phone over there? Or? Yeah, that's how you dressed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Derek asked me, put it upon me yesterday to speak about something. I kind of got nervous about it uh, to get up here, but it's good practice. And it actually made me look into my life and what I and was able to view it as what I was going through and try to see it through God's eyes. And um, right now I've been here in volleyball tryouts and um, I realize it's really hard to teach a spirit or an athlete, player, student, whatever, um, who is has pride or doesn't want to listen or um, doesn't want to hear what you're saying or is kind of like has a bad attitude. That's the biggest thing, where their attitude is. And same thing with the Lord. It's hard for the Lord to speak to people who have a bad attitude or don't want to hear it. Um, so, but when we are wrong, that's the biggest time that we need to be listening for God's voice to us and admit our mistakes. And when people um, point that out to you, we need to not get defensive, but embrace it and try to figure out in our life how we can um, live through God's way. So there's just a little scripture that I have um, on it in Genesis uh, chapter 4, verse um, 6. So I'm going to go through 6 and 7. And it kind of stuck out to me with this. Alright, I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, so Genesis 4, chapter 6, or chapter 4, verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? 
and why is thy countenance fallen? So this, um, if you know about Cain and Abel, the whole story with them, Cain kind of had a proud, unbelieving heart, and his offerings to um, the Lord were rejected for that. Um, this is the Lord trying to call out to Cain and trying to correct him um, so he can fix that. And um, really, he, and going on to the next one, to seven, it says, If thou does it well, shall thou not be accepted. So, um, saying that um, you have an opportunity to do something well, um, then, you'll be, then you should be accepted. But then it says, and if thou does it not well, sin lieth at the door. So if you are choosing to not correct your mistakes, then sin is going to be lying in front of you, um, tempting you and ready for to just basically devour you. And that's what happened with Cain, um, with his anger and murder and everything that went on there. Um, also with Abel, talk about the positive with his... Um, more attitude and personality. He came in as a sinner to God um, with sacrifice and humility and believing, obedience. So the Lord accepted that. So that's the difference. So your attitude and how you believe and what your heart feels um, can be the difference between you being saved and not saved and being um, tempted into sin. So really, as um, Christians, we should look at that where our heart is. And um, if people say we're wrong or bring a scripture with um, any type of Sin, we should not reject it and think what we're doing is okay because God's just going to save us, but actually, you know, kind of recognize that feeling, that negative feeling, and try to see what God's trying to tell you and how you can correct it. That's awesome. Great point. Yeah. So I don't have a lot, but. I found something I did like. It's in Second uh, Corinthians, and it's uh, verse seven. And it's something small. It won't won't take long. Um, let me know when everybody's there. Right, looks like he's already there. Okay. So it says, "For we walk by faith, not by sight." And I really like that because lately I've been struggling with like worldly things. And that kind of just clicked with me. And that's, that's what I gathered was the sight, everything you see in the world. Be conscious of that around you. You know, that's all I wanted to share. So. Hey, that's powerful enough for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would solve a world of trouble if we did. Seeing things carnally just keep us from... You know, really pursuing the Lord because we worship Him in spirit and in truth. I mean, I think that's great. I mean, they had about, I think, I don't know, maybe 12 or maybe 24 hours to prepare. They didn't know I was going to ask, but, you know, I'm just thinking the more comfortable we get speaking around each other, the easier it will be. Because all you're going to get here is love and support. You know, that's it. What? I said, you just wait. That's right. More ammo. Oh, yeah, well, I know. Until that fire is burning. So tonight uh, we're going to talk about demons because I think that most Christians don't understand that it's really the root problem behind everything that we deal with. I understand that we go to church, we learn more about the Bible. I know that we learn, we're told what we should and shouldn't do, you know, in our lives. But when you get down to it, it's not just your thoughts all by themselves. We have an enemy that is invisible, an enemy that doesn't want us to see the truth, 
an enemy that is hid through science and philosophy and all kinds of stuff, the medical world, the judicial system, you name it, education, you know, all these things to try and hide themselves while their agenda is to attack the Christians, and we can't fight battles when we're blind. And I know a lot of people feel like, well, how can it be a spiritual warfare? Christian is a religion of love and everything like that, Christianity, but why would Paul say wear the armor? Why would he say, you know, to have uh, your shield of faith and your helmet of salvation? Why did Jesus call in um, 2 Timothy uh, chapter, uh, I think it's 2, verse 3 and 4, that no man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So whether we care to admit it or not, if we're really Christians, then we're really in a warfare from the moment we tell the Lord we give him control of our lives, that we'll have to fight our way through this, and we have to learn how to deal with it. So the first question would be, you know, what are demons? Where did they come from? It's a controversial subject, and it kind of shouldn't be, but the book that I'm getting ready to read from, I know a lot of people call heretical, but, you know, I have a different spin on it. I know if you go to a Jesus is Savior, they'll tell you that it's a book that um, just isn't true because of blah, blah, blah. You know, that same guy in Jesus is Savior even talks about once saved, always saved, is legit. So we have to study the Bible ourselves to understand what the Lord is calling us to do because, you know, just because someone may be right and pick good points doesn't mean that they're right about every single thing. I myself have found validity. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Book of Enoch. You know, a lot of people hate it or whatever, you know, some of them feel like it shouldn't be. You know, there are accounts, of, if anyone wants more understanding as to why I call it relevant, there's two books, I mean, well, there's two teachings we can go to on the website. One is Beware of Science, Falsely So-Called, and the other is um, uh, The Giants, okay? Because a lot of people don't understand what that's about, but it's on soundoftrumpetministries.com, so you can look those two up to get more understanding, but... I hear that it was a part of canon, or it's in the original Ethiopian Bible. I don't know if it's true or not. I've seen it there, but, you know, someone could have easily planted it there. But one thing I look for is what matches up with Scripture. So I will never call this book Scripture. If it doesn't match up with the Word of God, then I want nothing to do with it. All right? So um, I'm going to get started, and uh, let's go to Genesis 6. Let's go there first before we get started. That way we can, you know, match it to the biblical account. Is that the book of Enoch that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's referenced in the Bible, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying that you'll still find people that will say, oh, someone copied that and, you know, put that in there. You know, there's so many books that the Bible mentions that we don't know where they are. Look up the book of the, uh, the Wars of the Lord. I think Ryan found it one day. And it's called the Book of the Wars of the Lord. It's right there in Exodus, I think, when Moses was talking to the people. And they said it should be written in there, some biblical account about the fights. We don't have those books. So, you know, the fact that the Book of Enoch speaks against a lot of the scientific stuff today in the world tells me that there is some validity in it. All right, well, Genesis 6, and we'll start at the first verse. And it says... And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all they chose, of all which they chose. 
And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. Key point here, before we go off you know, course, um, when you talk about the sons of God and the daughters of men, the word in Hebrew is benai e Elohim, which means sons of God, but it's speaking of the angels. All right, A lot of um, seminaries will teach people that these are the sons of Seth. That is not true. Okay, they are the sons of God. You can check in Job uh, chapter 1, and it'll tell you about who these individuals are. I think the reason why a lot of people will call them the sons of Seth is because they don't want people digging into what's really behind the scenes. All right, I believe that that's it, you know. Um, so, and then it says that man also is flesh. You know, his spirit won't always strive with man, and his days shall be 120 years. Now, you know, in those days, people lived to be almost a thousand years old. Methuselah, 969, you know, uh, Seth, 905. You had all these different uh, guys. Um, Noah, I think, lived to what, 950? Adam, 930. Now, some would say that's impossible. But even if you were to go into other biblical, I mean, other accounts around the world, they'll tell you about the golden age where people lived to be almost a thousand. The Greeks and other people knew this. So I think that the Bible is valid concerning this. Of course, we wouldn't understand, because what are our lives capped out about right now? 80 to 120 years. Yeah. Okay, so the Lord's prophecy is 100% correct here, that most people, if they live really long, it's about 120 years. Mm -hmm. All right, so verse 4, and it says, And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. So they can't be talking about regular men here because they talked about giants. That word is called Nephilim in, um, in, the, in the Hebrew, which means fallen ones. Okay, so these were the fallen angels that came down, you know, made it with earth women and produced these giants. Now, I know right now to the carnal mind that would sound like so much fantasy. Like, okay, but haven't you heard of things like Jack and the Beanstalk, all this stuff? Where do you think these things come from? Look up the hidden Smithsonian files where they found giants in the earth 36 feet long with six fingers, six toes, and copper armor and double sets of teeth. I kid you guys not. They hide this information because they don't want people knowing about the Bible stories could actually be true. Okay, so this is one reason why they take these things away. This is how they enabled us to be carnally minded, not to see the truth in Christ. Or, you know, God's word. So it says they became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. That word for mighty men is the word gibberim. You know, sometimes it can mean giant, sometimes it can mean mighty man. Okay, but it says men of old, men of renown. So they were like famous heroes of the past, maybe accounts that other cultures maybe spoke about. Now, you know, like Zeus, you know, Mercury, Poseidon, all this stuff that Hollywood is pretty much pushing in the theaters now. Because we're getting ready for a time that they, they, they're trying to groom you for, so that way you won't be surprised when it gets here. But I don't want to get way ahead, but uh, this is the biblical account here about this. Uh, this is why the flood was called. This is why Noah and his family, you know, needed to be saved. The Lord picked Noah because Noah was of, of a perfect generation, which means he was a part of the, um, you know, he was human. He was man where a lot of these people were tangling with the Nephilim, but I don't want to get ahead, you know, I just want to throw that out there right now, 
If anyone has anything they want to add or ask any questions, I'd rather them have some understanding here before we go any further because I don't want it to fly over anyone's head. So everybody's good or all right. So here, if you read the, the uh, Enoch account, you know, I think it's valid for several reasons. You know, it talks about stuff. If, if no one, the Bible doesn't even tell you where do demons come from. They just all of a sudden appear here. There are many that don't even believe that they exist. But this is the Enoch account, and it starts in Enoch chapter 6. And it came to pass, when the children of men had multiplied in those days, were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels of the children of the heaven uh, saw and lusted after them, and said um, to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men, and beget us children. And Simjazeb, so this is the name of one of the angels. Simjazeb, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us swear uh, on oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this thing, but to do, I mean, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Uh, they swear, oh, then swear they all on, and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because it had uh, sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon the earth. So Mount Hermon has that name, you know, I guess it just means agreement. So, you know, we, we got some history concerning that, but look at chapter 7. Well, actually, um, this is verse 7, and it says, And these are the names of the leaders, Simjaza, uh, their leader. Then there's Arakiba, Ramael, Kokabel, <laughs> Tamael, Ramael, Donel. I know this sounds like Ninja Turtles, but, you know, <laughs> just gonna, um, you know, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Baraquiel. Now, some people would say, you know, did all these giants really, I mean, all these angels really have these names? I don't know, and I'm not really debating that. But we do know that the Bible speaks of three. It speaks of, you know, Lucifer, it speaks of Michael, and it speaks of Gabriel. Now, you know the Lord, if, he, if they said that he could come with 10,000 of his saints, or call 10 legions of angels, there had to be more than just three. Okay? And, and if you notice the name L at the end means something to do with God, like Gabriel, power of God, Michael, he that is like God, Daniel, you know, you'll always find that L, but it means like a type of son of God. All right, so verse 7, and all the others uh, together with them took unto themselves wives, uh, and, each, oh, and each chose uh, for himself one, and they began to go into them and to defile themselves with them, and they taught them charms and enchantments and cutting of roots. So they learn how to hypnotize. They learn how to charge items and give them to people. Uh, they taught man, you know, cutting of roots, which is kind of like witchcraft. And they made acquainted with them herbs. This would have been great for Christina's teaching because they were acquainted with herbs. So, you know, they learn how to use drugs with these fallen angels because anyone that's involved in that occult business, they know that drugs open you up to the spirit world. Okay, so then it says, um, oh, and they became pregnant 
uh, and they bore great giants whose height was 3,000 L's, uh, who uh, cussed them all the, uh, the acquisition of men, who consumed all the acquisition of men. So they ate all the food of men. You can even compare this story in um, Numbers 13.33 when they talked about man, you know, this is a land that eateth up its inhabitants. When they couldn't sustain the giants, the giants ate the people. So it's saying like here, you know, they defiled themselves. They did all these things. And 3,000 L's is um, either 300 cubits or 450 feet. So these giants were massive. Now, I know a lot of people would say, again, you know, that's not possible. But, you know, there's, a, there's accounts of the uh, Greeks talking about Clash of the Titans, all these things going on, you know, that they're trying to prepare people for. Uh, and when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. So this is a form of vampirism or whatever it was that they were into. Then it says, then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. Okay, so long story short, the Lord dealt with these angels. I can even show you in the Bible where it tells that the Lord bound them and did other things with them. As a matter of fact, before we even go into um, Enoch 15, and then we'll, we'll dive right into the Bible, let's go to um, 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. That's at the back of the Bible. Because I want to prove what I'm saying here before everybody thinks I'm crazy. So, And we'll start at verse 4. 2 Peter 2 and verse 4. Yeah, it's all the way at the back near sitting there, first John and Revelation. Second Peter chapter four. Right. The only reason I'm bringing these points up, they're really not that necessary, but when you start talking about giants and bringing up other things, you better have some biblical information to back you up. Because the first thing people will call you is crazy. You know, he's a heretic. All right, so it's uh, 2 Peter 2. Matter of fact, I got you, bro. No, no problem, man. I know this book is pages are real thin. Second Peter 2 verse 4 and it says for if God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment so this is telling you here that you know obviously Peter mentioned this as if he knew what was going on now the Bible never tells you that they were buried in Genesis the Bible tells you about the flood the Bible tells you that when those angels sinned and when the giants did what they did in Genesis 6 and 7, they were, you know, great um, godlessness rose from it. So the Lord came and, you know, wiped them clean, you know, with the flood. So obviously when Peter quoted this, he had to know something about this. Because before this point, it's never mentioned. Not even once. All right. So let's go to Jude, which is a couple of uh, pages down. 
Let's go to Jude 1. Yeah. yeah, it's just a few pages over. Jude 1 and, and verse 6. probably could open the back window. Uh, Jude 1 and 6, and it says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, you know, that that's two accounts right there that tells you that this had actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, but in Peter, when it says, cast them down to hell, you know, that's the only time in the Bible that word hell is translated Tartarus which means like the abyss, like they were sent to another depth of hell, you know, and this is what they were talking about in Revelation 9, but I don't want to get ahead of it, so from here, uh, let me just finish up on this Enoch thing real quick, and um, just take a couple of minutes, and we'll get right into the lesson. All right, and it says, okay, uh, accusation against men, uh, verse 4, and it says, and when men could no longer sustain the giants, uh, they turned them and devoured. Okay, I read that part. Drink the blood. Uh, then the earth laid, accu laid accusation against the lawless ones. And Azazel, which is one of the, the angels, taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and intimity which is like, you know, working with different metals, and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. So these angels were even responsible for women's makeup to this day. The fact that, you know, they were learning how to hook stuff up, how to, you know, I mean, now no man can lie. When a woman has makeup on, I mean, you know, she's beautiful. What do you think? I mean, not that they're not before, but I'm just saying that there's a different look that you get when you see a woman is really attractive, you know, when she has the makeup on, and it's alluring. So a lot of men are even drawn into sin because, you know, you, I don't know, you line the eyes, they look bigger, you know, and they look more seductive, you know, and you get men drawn into that. So these angels knew what they were doing when they were teaching mankind this because you have to ask yourself, where would man even get the idea to think of that? They have billion-dollar businesses on makeup. That ought to tell you there's something behind the scenes going on. Because, I mean, I well, haven't... I'll add to that because yeah. Susie and Dan wanted to set up their son with this girl at church. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, let's go introduce him. So we went over there, and she didn't have any makeup on that day. Mm -hmm. And so then he says, yeah, I wasn't really interested in her. And then my sister's like, yeah, but you've got to see her with her makeup on. She wasn't all done up or anything. She was just really casual today. Right. So it's like you've got to see her when she's all beautified first mm -hmm. before you make up your mind, even though what she really looks mm -hmm. like is what you just are. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of, of men. It's true. A lot of men have been deceived into marrying women like that, you know, no makeup. I mean, with makeup. You know, and they take it off, and they married a 39-year-old man, you know. Oh! <laughs> they married a 90-year-old man, like, hey. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> All right. So let's just go. Um, <laughs> One looks like Ross Perot. 
All right, so um, this is Enoch. This is the second uh, verse in the eighth chapter. And then arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and many were led astray and became corrupt in their ways. Some Jaza taught enchantments. That's like, you know, again, hypnotism. Um, Beriqueo, oh, Amaros taught resolving the enchantments and root cuttings. Uh, Beriqueo taught astrology. Cocobel, the constellations. Ezekiel, uh, the knowledge of the clouds, Arakiel, the sign of the earth, uh, Shemsael, the sign of the sun, and Sariel, the course of the moon. And the men perished, and, their cry, and uh, they cried, and their cry went up into heaven. So this is when the Lord sends down angels. Um, you know, the next account is Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, if there is a Uriel, I don't know. But they came down and they bound these angels in the earth for the day of judgment. But... You have to ask yourself, if this isn't true, how does man know all the patterns and things of the earth? I know they lie about a lot of stuff. I'm not going to get into, you know, the sun and the earth moving. You know, there's Bibles that actually, I mean, well, in the Bible, it makes clear when Joshua commanded the sun to stand still, he commanded the sun to stand still. But a lot of people will take that in their account and say, oh, you know what happened? The earth stopped spinning. So these are the kind of lies that the book of Enoch actually debunks that can tell you everything, the patterns that are going on in the heavens, that scientists don't want you to know. Why? Because if, if there's ever truth that comes out that the earth is not moving and the sun and moon are, then it goes back to Genesis 1 where Jesus said, or what God said, that you know these things were put there in the heavens to service us so that we would know seasons, moons, and patterns, you know, and, and different things. But they'll tell you that the earth and everything else is revolving around the sun that's still because they're trying to say, remember, these people worship the sun. They were sun worshipers in the Old Testament. So they want you to think around this great ball that we just we have no significance whatsoever. We're just floating around in space. When really, when you look at it, the Bible makes clear the heavens and the earth, the other things are meant to service the earth up until about 500 A.D., or 1500 A.D., man believed in the sun going around the earth. But later on, when Copernicus and these other guys came up, Ptolemy with their ideas, well, Ptolemy actually said the sun goes around the earth. But when they came up with these ideas, they said that the earth goes around the sun. Okay, so they were trying to minimize us and puff the world up. When really, we'll get into, you guys have to check out that study of, you know, beware of science, falsely so-called, because there's a lot of information there. All right, so I'm just going to read Enoch 15, and um, I'll be done with it. We'll get right into the lesson, I promise. And it says, And he answered and said unto me, this is Enoch talking, And I heard his voice, Fear not, Enoch, thou righteous man, uh, and scribe of righteousness, approach hither and hear my voice. And go say to the watchers of heaven, who have sent thee uh, to intercede for them, you should intercede for men and not men for you. So these angels, when they knew they were in trouble, they asked Enoch to go and ask the Lord to give them a break. Enoch went and did what they said, and the Lord said, they should be praying for you. So no, he's not going to forsake their sin. You know, it, it's funny in God's kingdom, the higher you are, the more responsibility is put on you. The more you're a servant, the more that you take care of things. See, Lucifer had a problem with this is why he fell. But, you know, the more powerful you are in God's, God's kingdom, remember when Jesus was asked, Master, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus said, um, them that will come as a servant. He pulled a little child. 
He said, if you're like this little child, unless you're like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we're supposed to be servants in the kingdom, not ruling over people. Mm -hmm. Seems like a lot of false religions got that one backwards. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says, Wherefore uh, have ye left the high body in eternal heaven, uh, and lain with women, and defiled yourselves with the daughters of men, and taken your, um, yourselves wives, and done like the children of earth, and begotten giants as your sons? And though you were holy, uh, spiritual, living in eternal life, you have defiled yourselves with the blood of women and have begotten children with the blood of flesh. And as the children of men have lusted after flesh and blood, as those also um, do who, lie, who die and perish. Therefore have I given them wives also that they might impregnate them. So the Lord is making a distinction here between why he allowed us to procreate and why the angels were not supposed to be involved in that. Because we were supposed to reproduce until, you know, I mean, like, just build the earth, like, um, fulfill it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I want to get down to the point. All right. He says, uh, and now the giants who are produced from the spirits of flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers. Uh, is their beginning and, and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on earth, and earth spirits shall they be called. Um, as for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall, there be, shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon earth, uh, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirit of the giants. Now listen to this. If this isn't demons dealing with us today, listen to this one part. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst, and cause offenses. Okay, so this tells you here that this is what the spirits are, where they came from. They were from the, the giants. This is why if you know people who are demon-possessed or dealing with demons... You notice how it takes a whole bunch of them in a, um, a whole bunch of orderlies in a, in a mental hospital to hold some of these guys down. That's straight to supernatural. Okay, so from here we'll get right into the lesson. Let's go to, uh, let's see, let's go to Ephesians 6. Six and twelve, and it says, well, "Let's read uh, ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So that excludes anybody that you can think of. Okay, that's on earth. That excludes people that you hate, your enemies, your grandmother, whoever used to spank you when you were a kid." 
all those are cut out of the loop. Okay, right now, no flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. It says against principalities, against powers. Principalities are, the word is arcade. That's where you get the word archon. It means kind of like a magistrate or government. So this is a spiritual magistrate or government. And then it says um, against powers. You know, that word uh, in the Greek for power is exousia. It means authority. There are two words in the Greek for power. One is exousia, which is authority. The other is dunamis, meaning like power. That's where we get the word dynamite. That's that, you know, the, the miracle work in power. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers. The rulers of the darkness of this world. That word for ruler is cosmocrater. It means a world ruler. And it says against spiritual wickedness in high places. So that tells you here, there's a hierarchy in the spiritual realm that goes from Satan, I'm sure, to the fallen angels, to high-level demons, down to the local principalities and powers. Okay, so this is our fight as Christians. This is what we're going up against. This is what we're going to learn about how to deal with. And, um, yeah, we're just going to go forward from there. But I want to give some... Uh, quick information on them considering the demons because uh, this will give maybe some understanding but it says this is the nature of demons demons are the smallest uh, lowest spirit beings in the spiritual world they are believed to have originated when one third of the angels fell uh, the rebellion of Lucifer who defied the authority of God prior to the creation of the universe now I don't know about that you know, now this is this can be put in speculation where people will say, well, the earth was created first, because a lot of people like to talk about some pre-Adamic. I don't get into that. I get into what the scriptures say. The scriptures say on seven in seven days he made the heavens and the earth, and that would be that which is in the heavens and the earth. Okay, because we don't know how much time there is between Genesis one and Genesis three. Because people would say, Okay, well if the angels were made on the seventh day and man you mean to say two days later they're rebelling? Well, you don't know how much time Adam and Eve lived together before the serpent tempted them to fall, okay? So it says uh, one-third of the angels, uh, okay, the authority of uh, prior to God, prior to the creation of the world, of uh, the world and what we uh, know as earth, there are billions of them, but unfortunately for mankind, Two-thirds of the angels, well, it says fortunately, two-thirds of them are remain and they are good. The first goal of demons is to rule humans by fear. That is the most common method. But if humans smarten up and see the demons are not in control of anything, of everything, then demons seek to have humans believe they don't exist at all. The first is the belief of primitive societies. The second belief is found in civilized societies. Either way, the demons appear to be either non-existent or harmless. Nothing could be farther from the truth. And I'll give you a quick um, couple of examples. Um, we need to go right into uh, what Jesus has done, you know, dealing with them. I guess we'll break off into other things. But from here, um, let's go to Matthew 17. All right, Matthew 17. We're going to talk about how Jesus dealt with some of these things because where the medical world calls them today um, disorders. You notice that everything is a disorder now. ADD, ADHD, all this stuff. Oh, you're bipolar. How about the kid just needs a nap? He's full of energy. 
But, you know, they love to tell you, you've got all this stuff wrong with you. But Jesus dealt with these very disorders as demons. That's how he dealt with them. But this world has tried to make us go to sleep and not believe that demons are at work when it comes to people in their health. Matthew 17. I just want to show an account real quick how Jesus dealt with them. Will you be mad at me if I ask you to make that point again? Because I didn't hear it. Which one? What you just said. Matthew 17. No, mm-hmm. before that. <laughs> About what, disorders and demons? Yeah. Well, yeah, where a lot of people um, were looked at, they looked at things as demons. They were, well, disorders. Mm-hmm. Today, the uh, medical world is telling you there's something wrong with this. There's something wrong with that. Oh, you need meds. Oh, you need an operation. Well, why don't we just put you in a loony bin because I don't think you got it together. When Jesus dealt with these very same things as demons, that's how he handled them. When there was a problem, he cast demons out. He laid hands on the sick. So Paul just said, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Our problem is not just physical health. There are some things that could be physical, but guaranteed it's a result of something passed down in your bloodline, which, you know, we're going to get into that too, how demons are concerned, you know, are in it. Or um, it's something to do with sin. It's something to do with bad behaviors, the wrong kinds of foods. You know, it could be lots of things that cause this. But Jesus dealt with them as demons. Thank you. Yeah. I just don't want to miss any points. No, that's cool. <laughs> Matthew 17, and we'll start at verse 14. And when there, and when there were uh, come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times uh, he falleth into the fire and off and off into the water. Now, one thing we better look at with lunatic here—that that's two words. One is moonstruck, where you get the word lunacy from, but it also means a type of epilepsy, like epileptic, which is where they get this from. They even said that epileptics tend to get. You know, some attacks somewhere around full moon sometimes. You know, I don't know if that's true or what, but, you know, this is what um, lunatic, it, it means. All right, and it says, And he brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So what did Jesus understand here? There are certain ranks of the enemy that it requires real authority and real power to remove. He told them they could not do this because of their unbelief. Isn't it an amazement why most Christians don't even believe in the spiritual gifts today? Think about this. We've been conditioned and told that those things are done away with. That was a long time ago. We even wonder if they're true. Okay, so... Um, why don't we just take him to the doctor who's got 20 diplomas on the wall, who's done a lot of research, 
they can give them some meds and sort of help them with their condition. You see how far we are from the faith, how far we are from believing the truth in Jesus Christ. Now, I would be sitting here in amazement too, wondering if this is true. If these same gifts had not worked through me, okay, that the Lord had not done these exact same things. I'll tell you guys, this has got nothing to do with trying to brag or put myself on the scene. But I want everyone to get an understanding and have more faith in their God. Okay, there are people that I've laid hands on that the Lord had told me to that have been cured of HIV. Okay, that have been cured of real serious diseases. Okay, the Lord had done these things. All right, that person went back to the doctor and found, man, you can't find anything anywhere. They don't even know how she ended up, how they ended up being cured. But the fact of the matter is, that's the power of God. All right, because when the Lord told me to put hands on that woman, I, I, I called it out as a demon. The Holy Ghost said that it was a demon. I dealt with it as a demon. And it left her that same hour. Okay, so I'm, I'm telling you guys, we cannot get outside of the spiritual gifts. We got to know our God for real. Because these demons, they lie, they deceive, they do things to try and keep us from the truth. Like I said, had it happened to me, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have known anything about this. But I did believe Okay, so the, the point that I'm making is here is that we need to believe in our God just that much. Because you know what? None of the stuff we're reading is real until it happens to you. When it happens to you, when you see demons casted out, when you see all these things play out, then you can say, man, you know what? This thing is real. You've been sitting in church 30 years. You didn't know that? Yeah, this thing is real. But unless it happens to you, unless the gifts manifest through you, unless you fast and pray, ask, seek, and knock for your God, you won't believe this. Okay? So this is where the world has made us ignorant to keep us from the truth. There's nothing more that the devil wants going to keep you from inheriting the Holy Spirit gifts. Absolutely. That's right. You know, he wants to try and stop this. Um, I have something here called the role of demons and disease. I'm just going to skim through a little of this right now, and uh, we'll get back to it. But it says, um, there is definitely a relationship between healing and the need for deliverance. In my travels around the world, I have discovered that many are never healed because they, are not received, they have not received deliverance from the spirits that make, um, that make them sick. I am not saying that every disease is caused by a demon. There is a need for both natural healing and demonic healing. That uh, that evening, oh, this is a scripture, I'll pass that. Uh, notice that Jesus accomplished two things. Jesus healed many who have various diseases, and he also drove out many demons. Some people simply need healing from the diseases uh, that have made them sick. Others need deliverance from the spirits that have made them sick. Just the thought that demons could be behind sickness sounds radical. If that is the case, then perhaps we need a radical approach to healing. Absolutely. You know, because a lot of people get sick overnight. Doctors can't even tell them what's wrong with them. But guaranteed, they got a med for you to go pick up. You know, even if it doesn't work, you know, why don't you just try it and see? Kill the body, but they're not dealing with the actual issue. And that's exactly what medications do. I knew a kid, you know, when he was young, he um, was diagnosed as bipolar, and, um, you know, the doctors had him on all kinds of antipsychotics. And, I mean, he had a rough life. When he wasn't on the meds, you knew it. Mm 
I mean, he was kicking holes in the wall and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And when he got his meds, he would be, you know, relaxed. And, and you know, the demon didn't go anywhere, obviously. They just relaxed the body. But the demon is still right there waiting for them to not be on it so they can act up again. Well, long story short, his mom, the Lord told her to take, off, take him off of meds. The first month was hell. I mean, it was rough because he was wild and everything. But she trusted in the Lord. And a month after that month passed, he became a normal kid. So what was he being delivered from? Something he didn't even need. You know, now I'm not saying that some people aren't sick and don't need medications, but man, there's nothing that the Lord can't heal. When the Bible calls him the great physician, that he is. He can deal with any situation, but it begins in our faith. Some people might, um, might caution me at this point and say, Pastor Tom, we need balance. I agree. I believe uh, in balance. However, to some people, the word means middle-of-the-road compromise, yet that is not how Jesus achieved balance. Jesus achieved balance by being extreme in all points. Uh, Jesus taught extreme love. I don't believe in that because God is the presence of love and Jesus was God on earth. Extreme holiness, um, if your right eye sins, uh, gouge it out. So he wasn't saying to cut it out. He was saying whatever it is that causes you to sin, move those things out of your life. And then it says extreme faith. I don't believe in that. I believe in the faith of God, faith in your God. Extreme evangelism. He went around the world. That's just a commandment that he told us to do. Extreme deliverance. In my name, you shall drive out demons. Balance is not achieved uh, by watering down the fundamentals of the Christian's faith. Um, if we do that, uh, we will have lukewarm Christianity. And I think people are tired of tepid faith. The Bible provides a, a radical approach to healing as far as modern thinking is concerned, including the modern thinking of born-again believers. Many Christians quote C.S. Lewis, don't ignore the devil or give him too much attention. I agree. But does this mean we ignore the, whole, the, the role demons may play regarding sickness? I don't think so. During the 1960s in the deliverance movement, um, movement was at its peak. Many Christians saw demons behind every bush. It seemed that any problems someone had uh, was attributed to a demon from the flu to overheat to overeating. Uh, now with uh, such a de-emphasis on the, on the devil and demons by the church, you no longer have to look behind shrubbery for demons. You can find them parading down the streets almost unnoticed. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you can't tell there's something wrong with this world, when someone walks down the street with a indigo mohawk, you know, covered from head to toe in tattoos, and I mean, you know, you're trying to tell me that that's the appetite of a human being to do that to yourself, not seeking anything that the Lord is, you know, calling for us to do. So the point he's bringing up here is, you know, they talked about the flu and other things. I don't know if you guys remember in that Enoch account, but they said that these demons afflict you know, they take no food, but always hunger and thirsting. So, of course, obesity can be a demon. Of course, there can be overeating going on where you're hungry. You don't even realize why you're, you don't even know you're eating. So what is that demon trying to do? He's trying to kill you. He's trying to keep you in bad health, you know, um, oppressed, depressed, okay, and, and not serving. How can you serve your God and you're 500 pounds, you know, near, your, near a heart attack, only 29 years old? 
these are things that the enemy does because even when people are not hungry, you know, they'll, they'll eat and eat and eat. Anything obsessive, anything compulsive is probably a demon. That can be obsessive talking. That could be, you know, bad attitudes. That could be, um, what is it, um, masturbation, fornication, things that people are hooked with that can't, they can't stop doing. Anything. It could be drug use, alcohol. Okay, it's not you that desires those things. It's what's in you that's looking for these things. Because the only cure for a Christian is Jesus Christ. All right? What's that? Oh, what you guys said something. All right, so I'm going to put this aside for a minute because I want to get back into the scriptures and all. But, um, you know, it's important that we recognize what some of these things are. Now, um, I have another page here that talks about should have had this organized, but there's another page here that speaks of tattoos. It says body piercing and tattoos, you know, um, and they're going to relate that to, you know, demons themselves uh, doing things. But right now I want to get to, let's go to Leviticus uh, 19. That's at the front of the Bible. you guys to look at something real quick because this is Leviticus 19 and 25. Now, if that Enoch account wasn't true about astrology and all these other things that the angels taught, look at Leviticus 19 and 25. Everyone there? All right. In the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall not eat anything with of the blood. Now, what did those angels do? Remember, they ate the people and they ate all the resources and drank the blood. Okay? The Lord here is telling them that they shouldn't eat blood. Neither shall you use enchantment or observe times. Enchantment again, hypnotism, observer of times, astrology. Okay? Now, why would the Lord be telling them this if this stuff wasn't going on? Exactly. Think about it. He's telling them not to do something that already had, you know, had been. So it says in 27, Ye shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou uh, mar uh, the corners of thy beard. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. So that tells you there, it could be marking, piercing, body mutilation, tattoos, you know, whatever it is. We're not supposed to do these things because the Lord is saying, we are the temple of him. Okay? When the, the pagans and the uh, heathens did this, their problem was they would, um, you know, try and, um, you know, get themselves ready for war and other things. They believed in designing their body because they were not God's people. God's people were the Israelites who received the law, statutes, and commandments of God. Everyone outside of that were the unruly, the unknown. So the Lord is telling us to not learn the ways of the heathen. Yeah. I was going to say, um, back when I would 
obviously I have a few tattoos, but when I would go get them, it's funny how it's like the person that's giving you the tattoos has probably got the most tattoos. It's like they are covered. It is an obsession, and it doesn't just stop. You can be full of tattoos, and from there you go to horns. From there you go to mutilating your ears. From there it's like it, it, it is obsessive. So it can't be you if you're constantly saying, man, man, I got to go get the next greatest whatever thing, but you can't stop. You can't just have one. You know, the Lord no. stopped me with just three. No, it becomes obsessive. Exactly. You know, and that's what we were talking about. Anything like that is probably demonic. Yeah. You get this, you want to get that. All right, I want to cover up the back now. Now I want to do this. You know, so we're going to read up on that, but um, I want to prove that this is demonic. So let's go to Mark chapter 5 real quick. So what's the rounding of the corners of your head? Like shaving your head, I guess, at that time. That's rounding. Yeah. But, you know, later it's funny how that's changed because the Bible says, doesn't nature teach you in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that it's a shame for a man to have long hair? You know, now anybody reads that should know you're not supposed to have long hair. Um, what is uh, Mark chapter 5. Does that mean because they had horns or something? <laughs> you know, right? Makes you wonder, right, with the cutting around the head. So it's not the elongating of the head? You know, that could be. That could be. That's a great point by Ryan because the Egyptians did that. They would, um, you know, mess with their skulls and try and elongate the skull to mimic something. Mm -hmm. Now, I have my own speculations on that, but... I think it's not with their skull. necks, too, to stretch out their Africans. Yeah, they claim that, you know, it, it, they, um, it just makes them, like, they claim King Tut and those guys, why they wore those big hats is because they had those shaped heads. Even when you see accounts of them, their profiles... They had that elongated head. I think they were trying to mimic the giants. Mark chapter 5, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, And they came over unto the countryside of the sea, in the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, All right, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, nor uh, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So this guy was, you know, <laughs> had an unclean spirit. The Bible makes that clear. They tried to bind this guy, and this guy was breaking chains and doing all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says in verse 5, and always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This is a condition that um, doctors will even tell you about. It happens to a lot of young girls mostly. But a lot of them will suffer pain and hurt in their lives. And, you know, they'll just start marking their bodies up, you know, um, pulling their hair out in their sleep. I forgot what it's called. But it, it's an actual condition where they began cutting themselves because they feel unworthy. Now, you think that's them speaking or, or doing this, or you think it's some type of oppression that's even telling a human being to mutilate yourself. You think even with the earlobes, when people make them all big and everything, you know, they pull them out, and you get piercings all over your face and your body in certain areas that, you know, who would think of that? That's demonic, because a normal human being wouldn't think of doing this stuff. All right, so... um so he was cutting himself. So this is um, body mutilation. This is what the unclean spirit was doing to him. 
All right, uh, verse 6. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him uh, much that he would not send them away uh, out of the country. So that the demon is here begging Jesus not to leave the country. All right, he, You know, there's demons that like certain things. I don't want to get too far ahead. But demons, because they were half man, they have personalities very similar to ours. Like we brought up points before, some like to go to comedy clubs and curse all night, entertain people. You got some that are far more vicious that like to kill. There's some that like to fornicate. There's some that like to lie and steal. Okay, so these are things that, you know, um, this demon is asking not to be moved where he is. You know, he likes it here. So they have personalities that like certain areas. You don't think there are demons that like this, this city? You don't see with all the stuff going on, this is the atheist capital of America. You guys can look it up for yourselves. You don't think that why, you know, so many homosexuals and other things are flocking in here because of the fact that, you know, this is comfortable for them. Okay, there's some areas they're not, but this, this right here is one of those places where demons may like. Huh? Mm -hmm. Portland weird. Oh, yeah. Now, who do you think came up with that? You think a human would say keep it weird? Exactly. Yes, so gross. Yeah, I mean, people have they glory in their shame, like the Bible says. Now there was nigh. This is verse eleven. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, "Send us into the swine that we may enter um, into them." And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. You know, so this is what, um, you know, they were choked into the sea. He, he threw the, um, he told the demons to go into the swine. That even tells you that demons can go into animals. I know a pastor that was telling me, I heard his account, and this was a weird story, but he said that two of the things, because he deals with that stuff, he said two of the things the animals that witches like to use are owls and cats. Okay, he said, don't be so quick to allow any stray cat into your house because you don't know what they'll do. He tells a story about one day that a cat would stay outside of his door. He was young, his sisters, you know, his mom and dad. And the cat was always trying to get in, but the mom said, don't let that cat in the house. So they would close the door behind him and everything, but that cat would just sit out there all night. But well, one day his sister opened the door, the cat came in, you know, real fast, ran into the house, you know, went around the, um, the kitchen, went around the living room, circled once, went upstairs, circled the bedroom, circled the other bedroom, the last bedroom, and then came back and ran out of the house. He said from that point, his family caught hell. He said his mother and father got divorced, his mom ran away with another man, you know, um, his dad became an alcoholic, drank himself to death. The kids were in turmoil. All kinds of stuff went on. And, you know, he thinks it's because of what that cat did. But if you listen to what he said, the cat circled the house, 
went to another spot. It's almost like he was putting a spell in there, observing the area and leaving so that this woman could do what she can do. But the point is, is that animals themselves can have demons. All right. And um, so that, that guy had legions of demons. Oh, him. yeah. And a legion, um, if you look up the in Rome, like a legion was about 2,000 to 2,500 foot soldiers. So that's how many demons. You'd be surprised how many demons can be housed in a person's soul. Mm -hmm. I've stuck around for deliverance ministries and watched them for hours. Cast out, I mean, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 demons. You know, demons of rejection. You wouldn't even think that's a demon. You know, demons of unbelief. Demons of, you know, sickness. Demons of sloth. Laziness. Demons of all sorts of things you wouldn't believe that they were calling out. Because mm -hmm. you would think a demon is just, well, if he's bad... He's just going to make you do all this stuff. Oh, no. They have personalities. All right. So. All right. So they were choked in the sea. Uh, verse 14. And they that fed the swine uh, fled and told it uh, in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was that what it was that was done. And they came unto Jesus and seeing him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid now this guy had no clothes on he was running around you know breaking chains acting crazy hanging out in the tombs cutting himself doing all kinds of crazy stuff and the people just tried to bind him it didn't work or you know whatever now this guy is sitting and clothed and in his right mind and the people are afraid why do you think that is because they didn't want the demons that they had casted out of them Exactly. They, they had demons in them. I mean, think about it. Ask anybody who was of the world and how their family loved them when they were out there sinning, doing all sorts of stuff. Come to Jesus Christ, preach the real gospel, and watch your family. Man, I don't know what's wrong with you. You belong to a cult. I don't understand what, what all this is about. You've changed. I can see that. So what do you think is going on? You know, the fact that a lot of people that aren't born again... They hate to see someone born again. Because when you're born again and you forsake all these different things, you forsake lying, people hate honest people. They want you to lie. There's even businesses that will have you lie for certain practices. Mm -hmm. You know, like that old medical thing. You know, what is that medical oath that they give them? Hypocritic oath. Hypocritic oath. Well, they'll have them sit there and lie for certain things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certain businesses. Hey, we don't tell them that this is, this is you know, fraudulent. You know, we don't tell them that this is um, faulty. You know, we, we give it to them. They have a problem. It breaks in a few months. We order something new and, you know, we'll just have them order again and get another one. It's all kinds of stuff like this that a lot of businesses do. So, you know, they hate lying. You know, when a girl comes out of the world or a guy, you know, he may not fornicate or sin anymore. You know, we, people are going to hate you for this. Oh, wait, I can't get no sex. This relationship is over. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I came in this for sex. All right, and since you're not going to be here, maybe I should go someplace else. So the gospel is offensive to demonic people, you know, not people demonic, but demons themselves. Because lust is the appetite of demons expressed through humans. Okay, so this is the sort of thing where they're afraid now, and in the next verse, they tell Jesus to leave the coast. They want Jesus out of their town. Now, you would think with him being there that they would say, well, you know, let me just, um, well, why don't you help more around here? But they wanted him to leave. Like, take me. You know, it's like, oh, they're... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, if you don't think that this town is full of demons, 
Go out there and preach the real gospel for real and see what happens to you. You'll end up in jail. Okay? You'll end up either being beat down or something. Your family disown you because they'll think you're crazy. Go out there and preach the real gospel if you don't believe demons are real. You can preach anything else you want. Like, the, you know, you can just talk mm -hmm. about Star Trek or something. And mm -hmm. you know, decide what Mr. Spock said. People are just, like, applaud you. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> It's true, man. It's true. I mean, you don't think demons are around? Bring Jesus up at work. Bring Jesus up in certain places and watch how people react with you. Say, man, we shouldn't be talking about that at work. That's a demon. <laughs> think about it. Exactly. All right, so this is called... Anybody have any questions? Because I don't want to leave anybody out. Like anything that they don't understand or... You know, if you disagree with, you can bring that up too. You know, I don't mind. Um, when they yeah. got choked out in the ocean, does that mean that now they're in the ocean? Um, you know, we had some um, thoughts about that concerning the pigs. Like, because we know that the abyss is like a watery grave, like a place. You know, um, maybe the Lord told them to go into the pigs and the pigs would rather die than have them in them. I mean, that's my guess, that the pigs are like, man, we don't want to deal with this either, you know? So they kill themselves, <laughs> or, you know, um, they probably choke the pigs to go free again. So, it, you know, it, it's, you know, in the air, like, they're not really clear on that one. Well, any other questions or anything? Because, I mean, I know I'm, I'm talking about a lot of stuff that most people don't talk about, so it's okay to ask questions. I'm not okay, one of those. Another yeah. one. Mm -hmm. Cats. Yes. I like to pet all animals. Mm-hmm. So should I not? Martin always says don't do it. But. Well, sometimes I would I would imagine that we have to be careful, and this is what the discernment of the Holy Spirit is all about. No different than you know, there's. Yeah. Why do you think they use cats or owls specifically for that? Yeah. Is there a certain like well, they see a certain spiritual, or are they certain like something? Because I have a cat, I think he sees spiritual things. Well, I think animals themselves do see into other realms because a lot of times you can see your dog or cat looking at something you mm -hmm. can't see. And then you ever hear them like they're, and they're looking around and you're like, what are you doing? Like, what's wrong with you? Right, you'll ask them, what's wrong with you? And then, you're like, what's happening? So, and you can see their eyes literally follow yeah. something. Now, some people would say it's a fly. You know, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen a cat or a dog. <laughs> the dog get upset over a fly going around in the room. So mm -hmm. I believe they can see in different frequencies. I even believe in that movie Ghost because Hollywood likes to tell us a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that if you ever seen that movie Ghost, the cat was able to see the person, you know, but no one else in the house could see him. So is that true? I don't know. There's a guy, Nick Bodstrom. He does a lot of work on that stuff. He's claiming for future humans. He wants to modify man, you know, that whole destroying the image of God, trying to make it better, you know, and I don't believe in any of that. I think God made a perfect creation, and we need to learn to live with the body we have. Mm -hmm. and wonderfully made. That's right. All right, so no questions? All right, this is called body piercing and, and tattoos. Body modification, tattoos, uh, covering the body and rings in the ears, tongue, nose, eyebrows, belly, and other places um, too despicable to mention, has become big business in our uh, present society. The variety of people involved in body modification are celebrities, athletes, musicians, uh, business uh, people, politicians, and even professing Christians. Let me say from the start that there is no such thing as a Christian tattoo. 
uh, body modification uh, does not have its origin in the church, in the living God, uh, that among the heathen, I mean, that's among the heathen, body modification is simply a revival of ancient paganism. Tattoos bear the mark of paganism, mysticism, cannibalism, and satanic worship. Body modification is a sin against God because it is um, uh, oh, it is um, degrading one's, um, one's God-given body. Uh, and then you go to Jeremiah 10. I don't go there, but it says to learn not the way of the heathen, you know, and other stuff. But um, one thing I want to make clear, too, because one thing about the gospel, it is a, it is a rock of offense to those who, you know, are working things out in their lives. Jesus said that, you know, Peter has said that. Jesus offended many people. So my job here is not to offend anyone. But one thing I am going to do is stand with the word of God. Amen. And if we have done anything, anything that we mentioned tonight, all things can be canceled in the blood of Jesus. So it's not a death sentence. It's not putting anyone down. It's all about trying to get what's wrong right. Mm -hmm. Because we're not fighting with man. We're not fighting with just us and what we like. We have a real invisible enemy out there that we're exposing tonight. Exactly. So my fight is not against anybody that's done anything. I have no personal opinion on things. The word of God is what I stand with. Okay, so this isn't an attack to anyone. Body modifications describe the practice of cutting, piercings, burnings, markings, inkings one's personal body. This craze that is seen throughout um, our culture is nothing more than the return of paganism. It's a dormant in the pages of sports and high fashion magazines does not change its satanic roots. Now, remember, if you go back to Leviticus, Jesus said about, well, the, God said that you cannot put markings on your body for the dead. Now, most people make the excuses concerning tattoos as, well, you know, this is for my uncle. You know, this is for my boy, you know, when such and such happened. So we got to understand. Now, we're talking 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. We're not the first people to think of this. Right. You go to Ecclesiastes 1.9, Solomon says, What has been will be again. What's been done will be done again. And there's no new thing under the sun. So we are inventors of nothing. Everything we see today has been around in the past. You going to say something? Yeah, a point I was going to make... Um and if he hits the nail right on the head, whoever's saying this. But if you notice, especially like when it comes to sports, I know, Jake, you're big into sports. Did you notice that it's only been in the last, like, what, 20-some-odd years that NFL, NBA, baseball players, even the Olympics, now they all have tattoos, like, everywhere? But prior to that, they didn't. And so it's like... Why did the change switch? And once they started getting tattoos, it's like, what you see on TV and even movie stars and whatnot, the singers, you see on TV, you emulate, right? So if you're athletic stars, you're movie stars, you're musicians, all of them have tattoos, it just breathes more into people getting more tattoos and marketing themselves if they see that on TV. It's more prevalent in the NBA, too. Right. I mean, you're seeing a lot of things like, you know, men with long hair now, mm -hmm. you know, um... Men are being effeminized. I mean, and I, anybody can't see that, man. It's like, man, look again. I mean, even in sports now, NFL, man. Hey, I grew up. Yeah, man, these guys were real athletes. I mean, they were tough guys. If you had a broken leg, you went out there and played. Okay, there was no such thing. I got a hangnail. I need to sit on a bench for six months. You played. Now, if something happens, what do they get a call for? 
Oh, um, they'll blow the whistle. You wait a minute, ref, what's the call? Taunting. Taunting? You mean to say men are good? Oh, because you're making fun of the guy, you hurt his feelings because you scored a touchdown? That there's a problem now? So this world is being effeminized. Anything you look at, anything, skinny jeans, all sorts of stuff. You got rappers, and I, I showed Christina the clip and everybody, they're walking around. They make these rappers dress like women, okay? Put on wigs, do all that stuff. A lot of them, in order to get a record deal, you have to get sodomized, okay? Um, I mean, Kirk Franklin and all these other guys with men's purses, they even got these half skirts that they're trying to promote on The View and other shows like, you know, and you can tell the guys are embarrassed, but they'll go up there like, you know, and they'll say, oh, and you know how they'll play it off. Oh, let me see your outfit. And he gets up and he's like, you know, and he's got a skirt on. And it's like, man, are you kidding me? Now all the guys are wearing skirts. <laughs> yeah, Kanye West wears a skirt. All these guys go out in skirts. Russell Westbrook. You look at a lot of athlete, a lot of uh, actors, how they became big stars. They all had to play the role of a woman. I don't care who you are. Uh, Dave Chappelle had an issue with that, but he didn't do it. No. That's why he's, you know, on the run today and broke and have nothing. It wasn't because he was good. He even told the story. He refused to put on a dress. So these people get a kick out of effeminizing men and women. Mm -hmm. Now, some would say, well, why is that happening? And I'll show this again because maybe some haven't seen it. Maybe some have, but if I can find it. But there's a um, there's a picture here. I know I had it. Oh, right here. This is what Satan wants to turn us into. This is what these guys worship. You can pass it around. I know you guys have seen it. But this is what they want mankind to be. Okay? Do you even know that... What's this called again? That's Baphomet. Baphomet. That's what Jay-Z and Beyonce and them worship. That's what these guys get into. Okay? So... This is why you're even seeing bathrooms amalgamated. Mm -hmm. This is why you're seeing everything coming together. Everybody's asexual now. Yeah. You know, there is no sex. The whole goal is to turn you into that image because that's the image of Satan. It has breasts like a female, has a male phallus symbol. It's part man, it's part beast. So these are things that, you know, the devil wants to do. That's destroying people. Did you know that bestiality is now legal in Oregon? Did Why you know that? Oh, yeah. Why did you? Who passed that? Huh? Who passed that law? <laughs> Remember what Alice Bailey said in, in rule number seven, that, that attack against Christianity. I never voted for that. <laughs> <laughs> no one did, yeah, but this is the appetite of people that get into this stuff. Now we really can't let Cassie out unsupervised. <laughs> I'm serious, man. This is the kind of appetite. So um, these are quick points on the tattoos before we move on. It says tattoos are, are forbidden. We read that in Leviticus 19.28. Tattoos is a pagan practice. Tattoos are a sign of rebellion. Tattoos are, um, are dangerous because a lot of people don't know, man, that ink goes under the skin. A lot of people don't tell you, even with acupuncture and that stuff, that stuff's prayed over. Before these things are demonically charged before they put them into people. This is why with acupuncture you get healed in one area and then all of a sudden your back is hurt. So now your knee is feeling fine, but now you've got a bigger problem, okay? And I know people that have been involved in this that told me this. Uh, all right, tattoos are dangerous. I mean, you can even, you don't even know if those needles are sanitized. I mean, look at the guy who's tattooing you. You don't even know, he don't even look like he brushed his teeth. 
You know, <laughs> I mean, but we take big risk believing all this stuff. Funny thing is, is that uh, most tattoo artists are actually like, they're obviously demon possessed, but most of them are high before they, they, they tattoo you. Oh That's actually God. one of the things that they tell you. That they actually do a better job when they're high. When they're high. Yeah, because yeah, they get inspiration. Yeah. That's what Christina was teaching about a week ago. Right. And it says, uh, tattoos defile the body. Tattooing is contrary to Christianity. Tattoos will be regretted. Now, I believe that last one more than anything, because imagine being a 70, 80-year-old man. You're covered from head to toe in tattoos, and you look like a leather bag. You're covered in tattoos. You're trying to tell me that... You're going to look around and find this is beautiful. You're going to say, once the demon has his fun with you and he's done, you'll say to yourself, and I've heard people tell me this, what have I done to myself? I thought it was fun when I was young because I was trying to be known. Now I don't even look human. Mm -hmm. I forgot what my normal face looked like, you know, looks like. So, you know, that's just something that, you know, people are going to do what they want regardless, but... We're going to, um, I guess I'll ask Martin to put all this stuff on the site, this information. There's a lot more to it, but we need to move on. So let's go to, um, let's go to Leviticus 18, 18 and 20. I told a girl who had tattoos, I go, what do you think you're going to look like when you're an old lady? And she goes, well, everybody's going to look the same because everybody has tattoos. And she's right. Pretty soon being a normal... So everybody's going to look like they're wrinkly tattoos and you can't read what it says until you spread it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. <laughs> so that they're not going to be able to read what it says until you spread it out. I remember exactly. my dad had two tattoos and when I was a kid I'd always be so admired by them and he'd always be like, no, they're not cool at all. He's like, I was young and stupid. He's right. just like, he regretted mm-hmm. them. So there's an account right there. I've heard a lot of people say it too. He's a Sharpie person. <laughs> all right, Leviticus 18 and 20 and it says, right, Leviticus 18 and 20 and it says, moreover, Thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her, and thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire of Molech. So that's a type of abortion. You know, Molech, again, was this um, god that they worshipped back in the um, Hebrew days. They would have this statue with its white hot hands heated under the fire. These people would take their children and offer it as a sacrifice. Okay, the child would disintegrate, and they felt like they would have gain. Abortion is nothing new, okay? Abortion is, you know, (laughs) what's been done will be done again, all right? It's a blood sacrifice to Satan. And this is why they open the clinics up all over, and they'll tell you it's a woman's right to choose and all this stuff. I know from my experience, and I'm, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, but, you know, I committed this act, and I asked the Lord to forgive me. I was 19. I was selfish. Immature, didn't want to deal with a lot of stuff. You know, we looked at it like it was a form of birth control. Why? Because that was my mentality. But you'd have to ask yourself, what kind of human being could murder their own child? But see, it wasn't me. It was what was in me. Okay, so I'm not ashamed to admit that because I'm not that way anymore. But what I'm telling you here is, you guys are hearing this from a starch center. I was someone that committed these acts. I mean, that's done things. So I can sit here and say the Lord has changed me. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about being proud and being holier than thou. 
I know from the rock that I crawled under. <laughs> but it's also I mean, I know what I would, what I dealt with in my life. It's it's using the experiences that we've gone through to bring other people to Christ, and it's mm -hmm. like that's if you've gone through those things, like the things that I've gone through and the things that you've gone through, whatever else has gone through, if you can use someone to bring that to Christ, we shouldn't just hold it in and say, "Well, I don't want someone to find out the way I was." Well, you could bring someone to Christ over that experience. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what it's about, you know, the Lord's grace, his love, his mercy. And, I mean, that's just something that, you know, I pray about. And I know the Lord has forgiven me, you know, because I did it in my ignorance. Mm -hmm. But when these things, and this is why people don't want to talk about demons, but when these things come into you, it's not really your thoughts. You know, you begin to do some crazy stuff. And why you end up having a conscience later is because the demon done fled and moved on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he got you to punch that guy in the face. All right? He got you to do all this. Ask anybody that's been arrested and they're in cuffs. Now they're, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> what? The demon's gone now. He right. got his thrill. Ta-ta. You know, now he'll go on and mess with someone else. Exactly. So these are things that, you know, we need to recognize because this stuff is real. Right. All right, Leviticus uh, 18 and 20, and it says, Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. So there's no fornication, I mean, uh, adultery. Uh, and thou shalt not uh, let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch, abortion. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Now look at the next line. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. So that's homosexuality. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Okay, so this type of act was going on back then. What did Enoch say? They began to sin against the birds and, you know, the other animals and things like that. So why would the Lord, if that, if that account isn't valid, why is the Lord laying down these exact same rules and not what, into what not to do? Think about that. Obviously, this stuff had to, gone on, had to have gone on before. Because if the Lord would have come up to me and said, you know, you're not supposed to lie with an animal like you do with a human. My Lord, I know. Like, why would you even tell me something like that? But there are people that actually engage in this because he understood the appetite of those demons. Mm -hmm. oh. All right, so. That's disgusting. All right, so we're going to go through a few more scriptures and then we'll go into this This one. It says, can Christians, can a Christian have a demon? Now, that, that's something big, because a lot of people will say, you know, oh, well, I believe when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you don't have demons. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, absolutely. But until that point, until the sanctification process is done, what you did in the world to yourself will have to be undone in, in, in the Spirit of God to change that. All right. Oh, yeah. So, verse 22, thou shalt not lie with mankind, with womankind. Is abomination. Could that also point to like premarital sex too, maybe? Um, yeah. I mean, well, you know, it could be. I mean, but it's really about marriage too. Oh, okay. Like if you're married, that's um I mean if you're not married, that's fornication. Well forni fornication is a big word. It means, you know, um, you know, masturbation, sodomy, you know, um, adultery, sex before marriage. All kinds of things. That's where we get the word pornea, which is where we get pornography. The Greek word pornea is for fornication. And it has six, even bestiality is on that list. Mm -hmm. 
And those are the things that the Lord will actually excuse you and help and, and you can get divorced with. If, if homosexuality is going on in your marriage, you know, someone's down low, the Lord can tell you, I mean, he would advise you work it out, but you have grounds to leave if that person won't change or, you know, whatever. You know, so the Lord never really encourages divorce, but there are grounds for certain things that he's not okay with. All right, he can understand. Um, let's go to Deuteronomy 18. I just want to um, go there real quick since we're close by. And we'll get right into um, other scripture and we'll try and finish it because we want to take the Lord's Supper tonight too. Anybody know what time it is? It's at 9 o'clock. All right. Oh, yeah. Good job, Martin. And you guys may want to write this down. There are four levels of demonic influence. I don't know if maybe you guys copied this down in earlier studies or what, but um, it's... Um, depression, which occurs outside of the body, okay? That's an outside attack, all right? And then there is um, obsession, which occurs when you partake in the sin. That's demons residing in your flesh, okay? The next one is oppression, which is when you're involved in the sin and you can't stop committing the sin. The sin has now got you. That's demons residing in the soul, Okay, and then you get to possession, which is demons residing in your spirit. Okay, possession is, I wouldn't say ownership, but the demon pretty much has his way with you at that point. That's when you find people are, you know, those movies, leave me alone, you know, and all that foaming at the mouth and crazy stuff. All right, so. Just like the guy at the... The gathering demoniac. Yeah, he was possessed. Right, he was possessed. All right, Deuteronomy 18, I just want to run through this real quick. Uh, 18, verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. You guys read that. That's the abortion thing with Moloch. Or that useth divination. That's a fortune teller. Okay, and then it says um, an observer of times. That's astrology. Or an enchanter. That's a hypnotist. Or a witch. That's pretty much first, you know self-explanatory, um, or a charmer. That's someone that will give you a lucky rabbit's foot and all that other stuff. Got to be careful what you take in. Or a consultant with familiar spirits. A familiar spirit is a spirit that, you know, hangs by your family because someone gave them a legal right. Okay, this is much of why a lot of things will pass on. When people are engaged in... Um, false religions, idolatry, and things like that. This is how demons can transfer because someone gave them a legal right. That has to be canceled in the name of Jesus. And this is why when children will tell you that they're, I feel like I was born gay, they weren't born gay. A familiar spirit had a right to be around that child because someone in your family had opened that door before. And I know from me having Native American roots that I know that my ancestors had to deal in witchcraft. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what they were into. And some of those things, you know, could have placed things on my family that, you know, we discovered and found, and we had to curse those things. But this is why you can see children, um, you know, the mother was pregnant at 14, the daughter's pregnant at 14, her daughter's pregnant at 14. This is why the father goes to jail, son goes to jail, grandson goes to jail, you know, at young ages, because these things could be haunting you, even barrenness. You know, when people can't have kids, you know, they could go down the line. 
that's a part of, that can be a part of, I'm saying, of a familiar spirit at work. Okay, so they, they deal with a lot of generational curses, stuff that, you know, no one can understand. How come we're all women, you know, in our um, family and none of us are married? That could have a lot to do with someone opening that door. Okay, so those things have to be canceled. All right, so um, let's see. All right, a, co a consultant with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. Now, necromancers are people who consult with the dead. All right, a lot of people think, you know, you'll hear people tell you, oh, my mother came to see me, you know, the other night. That wasn't your mom because the Bible says that the dead know nothing. Okay, when the dead die, the Lord takes them. They're, they're in another place. What you'd be talking to is a familiar spirit, all right? Or, or you know, a necromancer, someone that deals with that, and the demon will get slick. If it's a familiar spirit, it knows your family. There are people that will have real accounts and spoke to them. You know, the demon can imitate you, can talk, act like you, know when your cousin died. Remember when you were five years old and you went to the doctor and you had a broken leg? They know all this stuff. Now, I know this is sounding real foreign, but what I'm saying is these things are real. You know, I encourage everyone, don't believe a word I'm saying. Look it up yourself and find out if I'm lying to you. All right, so these are seven ways that demons come in. The first is family background in the occult or in false religion. We covered that. The second is um, other negative prenatal influences, like, you know, rejection. Things can happen to you as a child. You know, Satan loves to wound children. He loves to hurt children because when children get damaged young, they spend the rest of their lives fighting with things that they never understood. I was always shy. I was always scared. I always got anxiety when I walked into a room full of people. I could never speak well. I'm afraid to dance because someone laughed at me when I was a kid. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but these are things that can actually happen, you know, to a person. So Satan will try and hurt you molesting kids, doing things to them. They don't tell you that 90-something percent of homosexuals were molested as children. You guys can look this fact up. Okay, so these things can have influences on people before they even recognize what's gone wrong. You know, a lot of abuse. There was a story, uh, Derek Prince, you guys should look him up. I know your brother listens to him a lot, mm -hmm. you know, Derek Prince, and, and so do I. But he said that there was a one guy, a guy in uh, New York named Nicky Cruz. He was a gang leader. And um, I forgot the name of the, the New York gang he was a part of, Hispanic gang. But... In the 50s, he was a little boy with his mom, and um, a, a woman saw him with his mother and said, wow, your son looks just like you. And the mother didn't seem the least bit interested. You know, it was kind of like, you think so? No, nah, I don't think so. You know, like that. And believe it or not, he was wounded from that experience. He went upstairs because he thought his mother didn't care about him. He went upstairs, cried or whatever for hours, came back downstairs and told his mother he hated her. So he had the spirit of hatred or resentment towards her because this child was wounded and he became, I mean, he was a vicious gang leader. Look up Nicky Cruz. You know, Nicky Cruz, man, he was involved in all kinds of stuff, but he eventually did find the Lord and get his life together. But um, the Lord even told him, man, you got to go and apologize to your mom. <laughs> you know, you need to get that right with him so I can make it right with you. I mean, so you can be right. Okay, so I'm just using as an example that even the smallest things that can hurt you as a child.
can stay with you a long time in your life and you don't know what it is. A lot of girls never grew up close to their dads. Isn't it funny how they find themselves through the hands of lots of men? You know, always looking for a father figure, always looking for a man to make them feel secure because they didn't have that in their lives. Yep. You know, guys with mothers, a lot of them hate women if their mom did something bad to them. So they go around whoremongering, using women because they might have experienced something. Or even worse. Right. So this is about, you know, pressures in early childhood. We just went into that. Those two can go together. So that's three. The, the fourth is emotional shock or sustained Kind of like what we were dealing with, emotional pressure, fear, you know, movies you can grow up and see that can change you. I mean, you know, there's a guy, Joey Gallo, who was a gangster in the 60s that died. Um, he was killed, but he said that what changed his life when well, he saw this movie, Kiss of Death, this movie, uh, Richard Widmark, I think he played this gangster, Tommy Uta. He saw that movie as a kid, and that movie changed his life. He wanted to be like Tommy Udo. I tell you what, and I can tell you this is true. I wanted to be Tony Montana. When I saw that movie as a kid, I'm not going to lie to you. There was something about the way he was cursing and carrying a gun and, you know, I mean, walking around. He's the man, you know. I started wearing my clothes like him, you know, talking like him when my parents weren't around. It wasn't until I got busted doing it. The parents had to, you know, I got in trouble and all. But what I'm saying is even movies where you might have even seen someone get hurt watching a lot of violent movies where you become desensitized to violence. These are demonic spirits that can even work through that and wound people. All right? You know how people get hooked on porn. That's demonic. You know, while you're sitting there watching porn, that demon is there with, with popcorn and a soda enjoying himself. It's not you that wants that. It's the demon that's there. So I'm just saying that we got to be careful what we take in. All right, on uh, the next, uh, and also people are desensitized to violence. Mm -hmm. You ever see that? The person to go and do something and not care. Hey, man, don't you care what you said, man? Forget him. I don't care nothing about him. You know, but it's because of that desensitizing that takes place. It should be normal for you to be hurt if someone is hurt. But that's the part that the enemy likes to take from us. Sinful acts or habits. We covered some of that. That's another one. Then it says the laying on of hands. That's something we got to be careful too, because even though you know we might use the spiritual gifts, you let the spirit of discernment, you let the Lord tell you who to lay hands on, because that spirit can transfer both ways. Okay, you can end up feeling tired after putting hands on someone if they have a, a spirit of infirmity, you know, or a spirit of um, sloth. You got to be real careful who you lay hands on. You can't just lay hands on anybody. And anyone doesn't believe it, you can write it down. It's uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22. Paul says not to lay hands on people suddenly. Not, you know, right away. You pray about it, you let the Lord tell you. Idle words. You know, um, for the idle words, let's go to uh, Matthew 12 and 37. Everybody gets lucky. Anybody no can win the lottery. That's, That's right. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Can't argue with uh, that. 1237? Uh, 36. 36. All right. All right. So this is talking about idle words that we have to be careful with. Idle words. Why? Why, Jesus? 
For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Okay, so these are things that you want to um, pay attention to. That's 37. 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So you want to be careful what you say, careful what you proclaim. You know, if you say to yourself, man, I'm stupid, I'll never amount to anything. You know, you just put something on yourself. You got to cancel that stuff in Christ because those things stay with people a long time. What you say manifests itself. That's right. Let's go to Acts 16. That's a little further down. They're not going to walk out when you go speak, Derek. True. Uh, <laughs> they need to hear it. Well, I sent them the website ahead of time just in case. <laughs> hey, guys, y'all want me to speak there, man? You know, be prepared because I'm bringing the thunder. <laughs> they hide nothing. Uh, uh, Acts 16, verse 16. Now, you know, a lot of people go to fortune tellers and they may learn that the fortune teller was right you know, for something that they might have said. You know, there's only two sources of power. One is Jesus Christ, and the other is the devil. Okay, there's no in-between here. There's no such thing as good witches. There's no such thing as any of that other stuff. It's either God you're dealing with or Satan. And Satan's people do have power as well. You know what's a really scary thought? is If you go to, like, a fortune teller and... They foresee something that wasn't supposed to happen in your life, tell you, and then it happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But you see, if you believe it yeah. and you go to a servant of Satan, then whatever their destiny is for you, you've accepted. So that's why you got to be careful. Mm -hmm. Just like Saul. That's right. Saul went to the witch of Endor to try and find out because he didn't want to wait on the Lord. And he ended up being, pro his death was prophesied, you know. So he went to a servant of Satan to find out his future crazy stuff. Acts 16 and 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer uh, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, like you know casting spells. Alright, so she was um, the spirit of divination that word is like Python the oracle of Delphi back in the days, you know, when they would try and find out stuff from this oracle she had a python spirit that she would um, inhale these fumes, okay, and get high, all right, because that was going on back then, too, to be able to tell people, to go into the spirit world and tell people the truth. And, you know, she was right. Sometimes she wasn't. Uh, verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which shew us unto the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. So a spirit of divination is a demon, okay, that's working in people, giving people spiritual power. Now, this woman was telling the truth. She was saying, well, they are the children of the Most High God. Paul and them were. But the point is, is that demon was looking for that type of gratification to be accepted. God has no works with the unfruitful works of darkness, right. okay? So regardless of that person's telling truth or not, if it came not by the Spirit of God, then it's not a part of God. Because the devil will tell you some truth just to push you into further lies. Ask any con man. He knows. 
All right, let's go to Acts 19. I want to give some more understanding. 19 and 14, since we're already here. Now, you know, in this ministry, we are going to learn how to cast out demons. You know, we're going to have to set aside a time to be able to do it because, you know, I think that everybody should learn. Right. And I think we will get started very soon, you know, in, in, in being able to do this because this is an important part of a Christian's walk. But once you engage a demon, you have to realize this one thing is that you cannot live like the devil. Right. Okay? You have to turn away from your sin in your life because if the devil has, you can't cast any demon out of a person that you yourself have not conquered. Okay? So if you're fornicating, you can't tell a demon to come out in fornication because he empowers you as well. So that's something you got to think about. All right? But eventually, like I said, we are going to do this. I've had this experience. I think it's good for us to know because this is the complete ministry of Jesus. This is what he did. Mm -hmm. Because nobody believes in the spiritual until they see that take place. Right. Then you know for a fact that this thing is really happening. Yeah. I had to confess something. I went to church on Sunday and, you know, it's a pretty big church. Everybody acts like they know each other. Of course, they, they do know each other. They hang out a lot. They, right. And there's men, you know, who, you know, just like talking to other men. Like, hey, how you been? Blah, blah. They're, you know, laying hands on them, you know, for whatever, I wasn't involved with the conversation, but, you know, here I am sitting on the side there and on the bench, and there's, like, these two blind people. So I'm thinking, all these people are happy to see each other and, like, laying hands on each other. It's like, why can't we just walk them over here and lay hands on these blind people? Exactly. So then I was like, I, I prayed about it. It's like, you know what? I'm not ready for that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I need this, you know? It's like, I, uh, you know, I mean, that's... it says in the Bible, it's like, you know, Jesus healed the blind. That's the whole thing. And, I mean, I'll tell you, you guys don't, man, look up R.W. Sean Buck. Look up A.A. A. Allen, who probably casted out more demons and, and done miracles in the Lord than you would. Man, Burt Clendenin, those guys, Derek Prince, that were really into deliverance ministry. That's the real works that the devil doesn't want you to see. Why? Right. Because it sees the victory of one kingdom over another. Mm -hmm. And that's what the devil wants to hide from people. But we are going to do that because when I, you know, put hands on that guy the other day, you know, it was because I felt led to. It wasn't because I felt like, you know, I want to prove something. Something in him could have transferred to me. So you don't want to mess around with that. Right. All right. Let's go to Acts um, 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, um, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost uh, since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And said Paul, Verily, I mean, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. That's the water baptism. You baptize to repent. All right, um, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And Paul had laid his hands upon them. The Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into uh, the synagogue and spake boldly for the, for the space of three months. Uh, disputing and persuading uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers, when divers were hardened and believed not, 
but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one uh, Tyrannus. And this continued in the space of two years, and that all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus speak, I mean, both Jews and Greeks, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from, uh, from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Now imagine the power of the Lord being on you so great that you can hand out a handkerchief and give it to someone, and that person end up being healed and having demons removed from them. That's a strong presence of the Lord. And Jesus even said, remember when the woman, Jesus came through the town, and the woman um, was, what, what was wrong yeah, with her? The issue of blood. Yeah. And she jumped and grabbed Jesus' garment, and the Bible says that virtue came out of him. Right. And Jesus said, who touched me? Even though he knew, but the woman ended up being healed from that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, uh, verse 13. I do have a quick question. Yeah. So, um, it says that they spoke in tongues. So does that mean everybody needs to speak in tongues? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that. Um, it doesn't say not everyone will, but it says some were given the gift of speaking in tongues and some weren't, you know, or, or whatever. So I don't really know how to play that because there's times I woke up talking in tongues, okay, speaking in an unknown tongue. So I, I can't really say. I know that one that we, we all should have is the one where we speak to the Lord. Okay, but the one as far as speaking to people about things, if it's not, you know, no, I don't, I don't know about that. Some may have that gift of tongues. Some may have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Guys, check out 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Don't go there, but um, write it down so you can see all the gifts. There's nine gifts of the Holy Ghost that we're supposed to work through. But, you know, I've been confused about it. Some people said that all Christians should. When I spoke in tongues, it was uncontrollable for me. I woke up in it. It's not like I wanted to do it and I did it by myself. So, you know, maybe there's more that I need to have or whatever. Maybe that's not my gift. Maybe mine is the laying on of hands. I don't know, you know. But I know that if you follow the fruit of the Spirit, which is what Sunday's teaching were about, when they're growing in you, you will have the manifested gifts of the Spirit come through you. All right, so verse 13 says, um, Then certain of, a vagabond, of the vagabond Jews exorcist, now, remember, exorcists themselves are not, because some people would say, well, how come Catholic priests perform exorcism and they're not, you know, Christians? Well, they know exorcism is not casting out a devil. Exorcism is going into agreement with the devil. So you get the demon to obey you in agreement. So it's not throwing him out of the person. It's coming into an agreement. All right, so these were exorcists. Took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, uh, the name of the Lord Jesus saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Big mistake here. Because they're saying we adjure you through Jesus, the Jesus that Paul preaches. What's the problem here? They don't know Jesus themselves. And they're trying to deal with demons. All right, now look at this. Uh, verse 14. And there were seven sons of one Siva or Sceva, a Jew, the chief of the priest, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? So Paul is known because Paul went to war with the demons. 
Paul casted out devils, so his name went around. Everybody knew who Jesus was. The, the demons cried out in fear when they saw him. And demons will actually do that as you get more acquainted with this. They'll, your name will start to get around in certain circles. So before these guys can answer, look at verse 16. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known unto all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord was magnified. Okay, so these guys tried to come in with their exorcism talking about, oh, the same Paul, the same Jesus that Paul knows. Demon is like, who are you? You don't have any authority. So you go on trying to confront a demon. You know, if you're not grounded in the Lord or you haven't, you know, got to that level, those demons beat the heck out of these guys, ran them out of the place naked and bleeding. There's a um, friend of mine that told me that a couple of friends of his tried to cast a homosexual spirit out of a guy. And they said that demon stood up in that bed and put his fist through that concrete wall and they ran out of there. Okay, now... They ran out because one thing you got to understand about casting out devils, they'll always try and flex on you, you know, just to see if you're scared. But if you stand there in the truth in Christ, you know, then you can cast them out. So they're always trying, like, you know, rah, just to see if you back off. But if you stand there in boldness in the Lord and the, the Holy Ghost is really in you, you can cast them out. All right. So we got to be grounded in that sense. To understand the Lord, you know, um, what our battle is concerning demons. Uh, let's go through some quick scriptures and then we can wrap it up. Uh, let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke 11 and 14. That's right next door. Because we have to understand, remember when the woman was saved from... Uh, the woman was... Um, wasn't stoned. Remember, she was caught in the act of adultery. And the Lord saved her, and he said, Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll start at 11 and 14. Now, let's start at uh, 18. All right, so... Um, well, 15. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, which is Lord of the dunghill, another name for Satan, the chief of the devils. And others tempting him sought um, of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against itself, I mean, against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his demon, how shall his kingdom stand? Because he say that I cast out devils by Beelzebub, and if and if I be by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, armed and armed, uh, keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusteth and divideth his spoils. So why it's hard to win people to the Lord sometimes and tell them things. They may have a strong man. We've done a teaching on the website, mm -hmm. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com on the strong man. 
that'll give more understanding. There are some things why people don't believe. They develop supportive arguments against God's word. Okay, my grandmother was a Roman Catholic, so I don't want to hear what you got to say. My dad was a Muslim, so I believe that all Muslims are going to heaven. That's a strong man. Okay, so they would be armed with how to make arguments against the Bible. So the Holy Ghost has to come and remove that strong man because the strong man is a demon that's built a stronghold in you using your feelings and emotions. You may have a cousin that's gay, you know, and what happens? I don't want to believe this because I have a family member that's gay, so I'm going to stand with them. You know, we got to stand with the word of God. Mm -hmm. All right, so he says, uh, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not uh, with me scattereth. When an unclean spirit is going out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Now remember, Enoch said that the unclean, um, the, the demons would walk the earth. They're earth dwellers. They're walking around in dry places seeking rest and finding none. That's why mom said to stay away from the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it doesn't literally mean the desert, does right, it? Right, no. <laughs> okay. And then it says, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And um, when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And the latter state of that person is worse than the first. So when, you, when the Lord frees you from a certain sin, it's best not to go back because when you do... The demon will recognize, man, this house is clean. There's no Holy Ghost in here. And they, you know, call everybody in, you know, because now he's not leaving. And this is why it's harder for a person to escape a sin once they've gone out of it and they go back to it. Yep. All right, so I just wanted to bring that point. Um, you guys want to see other things with Jesus, you know, him casting out devils um, that were sickness. You guys can write this down so we can move on. But it's Matthew 8 and 16. It's Mark 1, uh, 34 and 39. It's Luke 4, 35 to 41. It's Luke 13 and 32. And uh, we looked up some of the others, but those are some of the ones where he cast out demons that had something to do with sickness. All right. Um, what time you got, Martin? Uh, 9.30. Yeah, because um, we want to do the Lord's Supper. So... Um, Here's some other ones um, to fight against demons, you know, because I wanted to um, throw this out. Psalm 91 is great for fending off demons. Requoting Psalm 91 every day, I do it. You know, it's great for sickness. It's great for demons. It's great for all sorts of attacks and things that can come against you. You going to say something? Okay. John uh, 16 and 33, where Jesus said, you know, I have overcome the world. So he said to be of good cheer. So these are encouragements that he wants us to be able to do. All right. Uh, it's First John 4 and 4, you know, which is another one. Um, it's Daniel 11 and 32, where the Bible says, Them that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So when you got the Lord back and you, you don't have to fear any of this stuff. But if you're not ready, I wouldn't get involved in it. Isaiah 54 and 17 talks about no weapon formed against thee will prosper, okay, that we'd be able to walk through the fire. Now, this is for a real believer. And um, two, because, you know, some people would probably find this odd, go to, um, 
well, not go to it now, but write it down, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13, 13 to the end, where it talks about the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So I'm not talking to a carnal mind here. For those that don't believe in carnality, I'm not even talking to them. I'm talking to the one who's developed a spiritual mind that understands this because this is the real fight that we're dealing with. Okay? So this is the reality that we have to deal with. So I just wanted to give you guys those. Luke 10.19 says, I have given you perfect tense, present tense, the power to, to come to the power to overcome serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Okay, so we gotta believe in that authority in the Lord. Alright, so from here, because I mean I had a lot, but like I said, I'll give it to Martin. Um, you know, I guess we can put it on the site or whatever. Um, but hopefully everyone has an understanding of demons. I wanted to get into can Christians have demons? I guess I should just read this real quick. Uh, well, you guys believe me or what? If not, I'll read it. I think you read it before. No, I never read this one. Oh. But I mean, you know, if you guys don't believe it, we'll put this on the site too, I guess, you know, as a link. But Christians can very well have demons, okay? So that sort of thing needs to be worked out. The Holy Ghost is making you like Christ. We have to fight against these entities. Christ has to be formed in us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Okay, so every day the Holy Ghost is working with a believer to come to Christ and to know Christ and have Christ grown in you so you have the mind and nature of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to overcome this. How Christians let demons in is through sin? Sin and um, even, yeah, pretty much. Sin, uh, familiar spirits again can work with a child. Mm -hmm. Child may not even know what's going on, but they'll coerce you into it. Yeah, there are four types of influence. There's seven uh, things I gave you on the list that they enter in through, through pain. There are a lot of women that get abused by men. And what happens? I'll never trust any man again. That's a demon. Okay? I was beat by my first husband, my second husband. I'm not going to be submissive to a man like the Bible says or have him be the head of the home. That's a Jezebel spirit. That's a demon. Okay, so these things, the devil can enter in through lots of ways, you know, through trauma, through all types of influence, things that we take in. All right, but if anybody has any questions, you know, now's the time to ask because I have no problem with that. I'm not expecting everything I said to be believed. This stuff sounds unbelievable. But when you get into this thing, you'll recognize how tough it actually is. This is what it's all about. Because most likely it's like, man, demons don't like to hear the truth. Demons will be like, hey, man, you know, you're messing up my fun here. You know, like, hey, you're trying to expose us. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> so um, let's go to 1 Corinthians. You got, we're going to do the Lord's Supper, I guess, and close out. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Can we get it ready? Yeah. Yeah, so Sarah's an usher. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I know it's warm, but you can feel like it's starting to lighten up a little bit in here. It's not as hot as it was. Yeah, probably my sweat clothing off. Yeah, right. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
So we're just going to give some understanding because, you know, before anyone partakes in the Lord's Supper, you got to know what's going on with it. It can be bad. <laughs> or, you know, not being right. I promise you, every study isn't like this. We ain't just going into demons and all that other stuff. It's we get into a lot of other stuff too. So no, definitely. Um, no, I I really appreciate it. Honestly, I, I think this has been a really good sermon for me. Oh no, that's cool. A lot of things that I'm going in my life, and like people around me that are going through a lot too. You know? All right, hey, you know people, bring them on. <laughs> you know, hey, this is what we're doing. Sorry, sorry, kicking you out. All right, so, you know, I'm going to read this, you know, so we'll have some understanding, but this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, verse 16. Uh, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating every one uh, taketh before other uh, his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Ye despise or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So he's talking about those that, you know, used to use the Lord's Supper to try and eat in. It's not about having dinner there. It's about what it represents. Verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had uh, supped, saying, This is the New Testament in my blood. Um, no one taken eat anything yet. But he said, This is the New Testament in my blood. Um, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, uh, ye do shew the Lord's uh, death till he come. Wherefore, whoever, uh, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let the man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we, be, for if we would uh, judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. 
Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he, that he come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. So to bring an understanding to this, you know, this is a very, very serious, you know, um, work. You know, when you partake in the Lord's Supper, he's saying that we have to eat this worthily. We cannot eat this unworthily. You know, it would be just like we were there sitting at the table with the Lord, you know, and the disciples that night before he was crucified. So this is a very serious affair. If we partake in this, then we are disciples of the Lord. This is what we're working towards. Okay, so he's saying for those that have eaten unworthily, these people are, have been sick because they brought damnation to themselves. People involved in sin that, you know, you, t you partake in this and you know that you're not supposed to, it can bring damnation to you. It can make you sick. A lot of people are dead because of this and because they had taken this lightly. So not to bring fear, what I like to do is tell everyone before we partake in this and before I read the last couple of scriptures, I mean, couple of verses, that we need a moment of silence to be able to, um, you know, repent of anything if we've done, anything that we can remember. If we need to repent of anything, you know, just to try and make it right with the Lord, ask for forgiveness. You know, let's do that in this time, and I'll read the last few verses. But you do not have to take it. I, I'm, I'm telling you that. There's nothing wrong with refusing. You know, that would be a wise thing if you don't feel worthy. But if you repent, you want to partake, you turn away from whatever it is, you can partake in it. But I want everyone to understand how serious this whole thing is. So, um, we'll continue. This is Luke 22 and 17. And he says, And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Well, actually, I went too far. Um, it's verse 14. And he says, And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you, before I suffer, for I say unto you, I will not any any more eat thereof until uh, it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take it and divide it among yourselves. And I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God uh, shall come. Um, and then he says, um, And he took bread and gave thanks, and break it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Okay, so we can eat.
And he says, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, okay, so we can drink it. We can drink the uh, cup. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on this table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. So, you know, this is something we're going to try and do like every two weeks, you know, if we can. But I just wanted to lay out to everybody how serious it is because... You know, a lot of churches, they just hand around the cup. Some of them don't even read First Corinthians chapter 11. So people have no idea what this is really about. Mm-hmm. All right, so from there, um, I guess, you know, if everybody has an understanding of demons, anyone has anything they want to add or say anything, got any questions, now's the time to ask. But, you know, we're all convinced that this is what we're dealing with. You know, this is what we need to break through. So I have a question. Yeah. Can you cast out your own demons? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. If you recognize that there's a demon there and you're full of the Holy Ghost and you know you have the Spirit of God in you and you recognize it, you can pray and ask for a demon to be removed. An interesting story, Derek Prince talked about his wife, how one time she laid hands on someone to, to heal them and she didn't know that one of them had um, arthritis. Or, no, a guy with arthritis laid hands on her to pray for her. And she said the next day her hands ached so bad that she couldn't understand what was going on. When she recognized what it was, she rebuked that spirit. And I think in a matter of minutes or within that hour, the pain went away. So you can rebuke a spirit, but you got to be serious in the Lord, you know. So from there, any other questions? No, everybody's hot. It's so time to get out of here. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll pray out. Good, sir. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, Lord, and I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us, Lord. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, everything that you've given to us, Lord, because... You've never left us wanting or without. You've taken care of every need and so much more. And Lord, you've given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. And Lord, I want to thank you for your true and holy word and the abilities that you've given us to understand it through you sharing your secrets with us. But Lord, I'm also asking and praying that you will build us up, that we will spend more time with you, that we will get our lives right with you. Lord, I'm asking and praying that you will build this ministry up too. That all the things that are keeping us from having a relationship with you Lord all the things that are keeping us with getting closer to you all the things that we are doing Lord that are choking off the Holy Spirit Lord I pray that we would come to you that we would give you those things so you can work in our lives Lord I'm asking you praying that you will help us that you will be able to move this ministry to the next level Lord that eventually we will get to the place where we will not only have faith but we will have the gifts of faith Lord that we will be able to heal the sick Raise the dead, Lord. Cast out demonic spirits. Speak in new tongues. All the things that you've commanded us to do, Lord. But we have to have real faith, Lord. We have to really believe. We cannot have any doubt, Lord. These things have to be wrought in our lives. We have to take this walk with you more seriously. 
Lord, we have to be given into more prayer and fasting to kill off that old, sensual, soulish nature, Lord, that will never have us living in the Spirit. But Lord, we have to have a real understanding of what's going on in our lives, Lord. We have to understand the attacks of the enemy and how he wants to keep us all under demonic depression, Lord, oppression, keeping us from doing your will, Lord. He wants us to seek after other idols. But Lord, we have to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We are living in the evil days, Lord, that your work talks about. And we have to recognize, Lord, that if we're going to seek after the earlier and latter rain, Lord, that we have to work out our own salvation with you with fear and trembling. And Lord, I pray that we will all get serious with you. I pray, Lord, that you will light a fire into this ministry, that we will hunger and thirst after your word, Lord, that we will come to you. And Lord, I'm praying for everyone who came tonight, Lord, that they will seek after you, that they will seek your word, Lord, that they will seek to have more understanding, that they will seek to know what your calling upon their life is, whatever it is, Lord, whether it be apostleship, preaching, Lord, ministering, evangelizing, everything that you want us to do, Lord, let us come to you. Let us cry out and seek you, Lord. Let us fight our way into the kingdom of heaven. Let us not go after false doctrines that are in this world today, Lord. Let us be separated, sanctified, purified, Lord, unplugged from this world system. Guide and direct and lead our lives, Lord. Let all those things, Lord, that are keeping us, let us come to you, Lord. Let us be filled with your Holy Spirit. Let us take on the full armor of God, Lord, because Satan is trying to keep us. He is so trying to keep us from doing your will, Lord. He wants us to keep us oppressed. He wants us to keep in, us in false doctrines, Lord. But our eyes have to be open. But let us be bold, Lord. Let us be filled. Let us draw our strength from you. Let us not have any fear in this life of what the enemy can do to us, Lord. But let us understand and know that we can have true joy and peace in doing your will. In the face of persecution, in the face of trials and tribulations, Lord, you will be there with us. But let us seek after your wisdom, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Place your shield of protection around us. Guide and direct and lead us into your truth. Lead us into all truth, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.